Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. After a successful career at Nike Inc. North America, Kerry Guglielmo and his business partner, Billy Hale, recognized a niche within the corporate sector for just-in-time branded merchandise. They launched AST e-commerce just five years ago, and they're already carving a lead in the company store space. Kerry is also the host of the podcast called The Brand on Talk 107.3 FM in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And in today's episode, I sit down with Kerry to discuss how his Nike background helped him bring a big business worldview to the industry and how this perspective shapes his business today. We talk about the search for recurring revenue, the most profitable types of stores, shifting their focus from outbound to inbound, their sales process, and Carrie's advice for young entrepreneurs, which includes creating your advisory board and the surprising boost to your business that a board can have on you and your organization. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lee the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. We just opened up registration for SKUCon held in Las Vegas on January 12th. SKUCon is the conference for innovators, explorers, and dreamers in the promotional products industry. It's the perfect conference to take your team and kick off your year right. Some of the speakers include Brian Pape from Mir, Memo Khan from Pomo Shop, Lucas Grigliano from Robo Creative, Vicky Ostrom from Sanmar, and many more plus the amazing community that gathers every year to inspire one another. It's a great time with good friends. SKUCon sells out every year. You can pick up your tickets before they are gone over at SKUCon.com. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. Begin your free trial now at CommonSkew.com. And now on to my conversation with Carrie from AST eCommerce. Well, Carrie, I know you run a very progressive and unique e-commerce business in the company store space in particular. Um, how did you get into that? <laughs> well, uh, it's a great question. Thank you. No, we uh, had a 20-year run at Nike Inc. North America, and my, part, my partner, right. Billy Hale, had a 25-year run. And believe it or not, two guys from small-town Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we've known each other forever, did a little bit of different, different things yeah. at, at Nike Inc. North America. But, but long story short, we had had some exposure to what I would call the corporate merch market, and we were very, very, very intrigued by it. And a little bit over five years ago, we jumped off the cliff and notably for me against my wife's wishes. And, you know, after somewhat the golden handcuffs at Nike and at age 46, my, my partner's right. a little bit older than me, but we've had, a, we've had a ball doing it. And we, uh, we, we felt like we needed to embrace technology and not just live purchase order to purchase order. And so we, we really embraced, uh, we, we actually like, love that word e-commerce. We, we originally launched our company as AST Marketing Group. And uh, approximately right. two years ago, we changed to AST e-commerce. And uh, we, uh, we're really putting the, the majority of our time and, and resources, uh, again, into the, into the technology play. You are really trying to develop something very progressive here. What do you think are the most important aspects of a successful store? Well, you know, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's interesting. We don't talk a lot about product, Bobby. We don't spend a lot of, when yeah. we vet out a client or they find us through, through our digital right. generation uh, plant BD 
uh, go-to-market plan. We, we talk a lot about uh, ease of navigation, the shopper experience. We talk a lot about cybersecurity these days. In fact, we won't we won't launch yeah. a platform unless we have a, um, a cybersecurity and, and also a trademark contract signed with said client. Um, again, JIT right. on demand is, is critical, but it, it, it's interesting. We, we find ourselves and, and also on the, what we call the non-e-commerce business, whether that, you know, some people, as you know, in our space call it dropship or, or call it by, by project. Right. We're finding ourselves talking less and less and less about the actual product. And frankly, we like that. What's one of your favorite store client experiences? What do you love doing? What type of business do you love doing? Is there a particular client profile or maybe it's not that specific? We're in South Louisiana. We're doing, we're doing business now and where we have shipped, I should say, uh, to, to 46 states. But the majority of our business has been, been done in Louisiana. We love this industrial sector, whether it's uh, you know, fire, fire yeah, retardant yeah. apparel, hard hats, safety and yeah. incentives, mm-hmm. um, you know, required uniform out in the field where folks can, can be ordering right. you know, off of their iPhone with a, a manager-approved order system within the platform. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, really, we've had several good experiences where if, if that client can buy into the fact that it's, yeah, the product is a piece of the equation, but really it's a cost control and it's an operating efficiency and brand man- management yeah. conversation. And it's about freeing right. up that individual that frankly, whether they're in HR, marketing, procurement, or maybe even a C-level uh, administrative assistant, they don't need to be spending their time thumbing through a catalog and quite frankly taking uh, taking calls from a sales rep. At least that's our philosophy. You know, Carrie, it seems in a very short amount of time, you've got a crash course and are in this 401 state of this particular part of the business. You're in the, ones, the most difficult parts of the business. Uh, the grasp you have on the client and what they're really wanting out of the relationship to me is incredibly sharp. Any failures that help drive you? I mean, that to me, some of our biggest lessons came from not only our biggest innovations and some of our biggest stores that we launched, which by the way, are very similar in terms of the client makeup sure. that yours is. Any big lessons you've learned along the way that can help us? Probably the biggest one, and very difficult for me. Boy, I just did a real poor job with it, to be frank with you, was, uh, you know, just said yes way too often. And, and right out of the, you know, we're, we're a little yeah. more than five years old, but we, 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 we would right. launch stores uh, at the sake of profitability, somewhat lost leaders, if you if you will, and you know trying trying to garner yeah. other parts of the business. And I just worked really hard. We got a long way to go. We're not there by any stretch. I don't I don't think you ever are. Yeah. There's never a finish line. But you know what's the old saying? You you grow by saying no. And I, I think if there's one thing we could look at, it's it's being more selective, being more disciplined mm-hmm. with. The, the clients that you get in bed with. And in fact, you know, and, and, and sometimes that's, that's not been the normal conversation specifically in our geography. I mean, it, you know, we, we, we will say oftentimes, uh, in fact, we had a conversation a few weeks ago, if it, you know, we're going to be treated like a quote unquote vendor, well, well then actually we may not be the right fit for you, you know, um, or if yeah. it's just going to be a yeah. price conversation, but um, we said yes too often, uh, way too often, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, that's a recurring lesson, I think, for most distributors, regardless of whether they're in the space of a program business or not, but particularly in program business. You know, you used the term with me, virtual buyer on the phone. Can you can you explain what you well, mean? Well, we are just we have some 15,000 shoppers, buyers, employees. If, if you look across the board at our platforms or our web stores that we've launched and we love the virtual buyer because, I mean, frankly, we, we want, you know, we have orders coming through when we're sleeping. 
you know, we have, we have orders, we have yeah, orders coming right. through, uh, you know, on holidays and it, it really is, yeah. is a numbers game. We wanted to, my partner and I took a big risk, you know, getting into this business later in life. And we were really, really, really emphatic about creating a recurring revenue channel where the wheels yeah. were in motion while we were focusing on other things. Again, that doesn't mean you're taking your eye off the client. It's just, it's no different than having an insurance policy that, that pays on the, pays on the life yeah. of the policy. But, and I will tell you that, that um, we've been so impressed with what you guys are bringing to the table and some other, other groups. I don't think we hear that recurring revenue conversation enough in our space. I, I really, no. and a lot of no. people are, PO to PO, program to program, uh, you know, meet, meeting payroll. Yeah. And in order to truly scale, boy, I think you got to give some strategic uh, mindset to that uh, recurring revenue uh, topic. I would assume you're finding a lot of this in that industrial sector where you're, you're this, particularly the uniform business or maybe these safety incentive programs or something like that. We are. And, and you know, we, we love the uniform business. Um, and quite frankly, we love uh, when there's when there's a problem with uh, whether it's a natural disaster. I mean, we could tell stories where there's floods down here, unfortunately, Louisiana and other places. And, you know, yeah. we've got employees. Uh, getting on their iPhones and ordering their replace their replacement right. uniforms and other goods, where frankly, by law, they have to have that wardrobe or those things on, on body yeah. on body right. in order to go do their job. It's not a negotiable. Is part of the secret of finding this recurring revenue is the right client type and the right client purpose. It right? is, and and you know it, it you know maybe again we talk a lot about industrial, but whether it's an accounting firm, an insurance firm, or or fin- a right. financial right. firm, mm-hmm. and, and getting out in front of their yeah. of their calendar and saying, hey guys. You're doing these five or six large promotional events a year. Let's put them on the calendar. Let's have some forward planning activity yeah. um, put on the table and try to try to not, you know, this <laughs> right, wrong, or different promotional products specifically on the, you know, the I would say entry level or mid level price point, the more giveaway aspects, the more pure promotional uh, aspect of the business. A lot of it's done at the 11th hour. In five years, you guys have had some tremendous growth. Can you speak to that a little bit? What do you attribute that to and what's your growth been? Well, like? no, thank you. It's nice of you to say it's been a wild ride. <laughs> how do you mean, how do you mean wild ride? Well, I, you know, Hey, I was a corporate guy forever, uh, you know, in the sports business right. and, you know, and, and got into the management world, but never was, I still don't consider myself an entrepreneur, but we, we doubled our business the first three years. We, you know, our, our, our forecast is 20%, uh, give or take a point or two. Uh, this we're, we're on our fiscal years on the calendar year. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we hope to finish somewhere in that, uh, no problem sharing it. So, you know, we're not a big firm. We hope to finish somewhere in that two and a half million dollar range after five years. Yeah. And, um, I, I would attribute it to, I've got a great partner. Um, I've got some great mentors. We have a great board of directors, um, yeah. and something we are very, 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 very humble about at AST Commerce, but we talk about it quite a bit is, uh, right. is our Nike background. And, and, you know, I find that not that that was necessarily cool or anything, or that we were that good at what we did. Surely we made a lot of mistakes and we learned from a lot of smart people, but find a lot of people trip into the promotional product uh, industry. And so yeah. what we're trying to do, we've got a long way to go is, is, is take a larger, strategic company focus to the distributorship space and have those forecasts, have those budgets, try to leverage technology, try to, mm, try to, yeah. try to embrace the outsource model and, um, and, and try to be disruptive and, and continue to evolve on a daily basis. And, and so that's where we are. You're kind to say we've got a long way to go, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's been a space we very much enjoyed. 
Well, and I say that too, in context of the difficult space that you're in as well. Um, you know, that's, you've embraced the most complex part of the business. Um, but also you, it's interesting to me how you've tried to stay so lean and outsource so much of everything, um, which is incredibly smart and, 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 and easier to do today that today than it ever was, but at the same time, it, it represents a whole host of new difficulties that you have to face. Something I've observed that you've been very good at, and it makes sense because you're outsourcing so much, is you've been very good at communicating to all of your stakeholders and recognizing your stakeholders from your investors, your board, employees, suppliers, and you're constantly updating them about your progress. It's a great best practice. Something I wish more of us would do is, number one, recognize who all our essential stakeholders are. And then number two, communicate on a regular basis progress and how things are going. How has that helped strengthen your brand and relationships around you? I really appreciate you saying that. It's, it's quite flattering. Uh, really, I got that from a, a great mentor of mine, a gentleman by the name of Gary McKenna, had an amazingly uh, successful career with Nike. And I, we just did we just did a lot back in the strategic corporate world. And we, hey, we've got two great banks here. We lean on our banks heavily. They're huge partners of ours. I, we have a board of directors, um, which they're been incredible to, to us. Really, they're a group of advisors but we market them as a board of directors. Um, we have, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a company like Sandmar and uh, I hate to just throw one name out there, but we don't, we don't consider Sandmar a vendor. We, we consider Sandmar a partner. So I would probably yeah. say once a month, we, we try to send out uh, a well-written uh, piece of communication. It, it comes from my desk to, to all of our partners, uh, our distribution centers, uh, most notably as well, and talk to them about, not just our sales, but maybe a uh, profitability change that's occurred with the company. Maybe we've yeah. we've adopted something like a HubSpot, which is a you know go to market platform we've recently embraced. Um, right. To to whatever it may be, we're, we're, you know. So thank you for saying that. We we think that's very very important. Uh, that that P word in the in the corporate you know big company world is kind of over overused partner, but we use but we do we overuse it a lot because we uh, there's a lot of folks that contribute um, and those yeah. you know, our clients are generally not included on that communication, but there's a lot, a lot of folks that believe yeah, in, interesting. believe in our story. And, and, you know, we even share occasionally, we even share some, uh, some P and L performance and some forecast adjustments and whatnot. So yeah. thanks for the kind words. You know, one other topic that you're a big proponent of and create your, of creating, util, utilizing the strongest and best tech tools for your business. What do you think are the most important tools today? Common skew has been a good one. And Hey, I, you know, that's you, uh, you guys, we've only been in, in doing business together, Bobby. I think we're, uh, going on our eighth month and, uh, mm -hmm. very, 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 and I, I'd, I'd like to, I know that's not why we're doing the podcast, but I, I'm very, right. I'm very intrigued on, on you all's approach for, for several reasons. Uh, we're a big fan of HubSpot and, uh, we are big fans of QuickBooks. You know, the, the Achilles heel of that is, you know, how do you, in a perfect world, how do you integrate, you know, all of those right. systems, but we're trying to, right, right. we're trying to take the best. And, you know, I, I have to tell you, we, um, we just decided this yesterday. We, we, we're an hour from new Orleans and we are, we have a wonderful office here in the middle of Baton Rouge. We are going totally virtual January in 2020. And um, we are going into a shared working space in the warehouse district in New Orleans. And uh, from a technology perspective, cultural perspective, 
onboarding perspective, we cannot wait. And that's going to be a big, big, big move for us. And so, so, so let me get this straight. You're in a, you're in a, a, a traditional office environment now and you're going virtual. Absolutely. January, we're going virtual in uh, really four and a half months. And it's, it, we think it's bold. We think it's somewhat innovative, uh, specifically yeah. maybe in a Louisiana, but we're so technology driven that um, we have two of our key folks that already live in New Orleans, our, our chief marketing officer and our, our national sales director. And uh, it's a little different. I, it's funny. I had a couple of board members didn't want me to do it. Uh, my father, <laughs> who is a board member and investor in the company, didn't want me to do it. But uh, we're, we're crazy excited about it. What's driving that? Culture's driving it. I think it's a disruptive, yeah. a disruptive innovative, innovative move. Um we are going to, I frankly, save six thousand dollars a month, you know, yeah, after, yeah. after after taxes. And right. you know, if, if I can take those dollars and invest those dollars elsewhere, sure. elsewhere yeah. specifically, I want to invest them in a digital lead. You know, basically putting our digital lead generation campaign on steroids. Um, yeah. And it's uh, and I think it's just a change of pace. And I, I think as you as you continue to acquire talent, and in today's world, uh, status quo is um, is not yeah. acceptable. And I, I we're just believers in evolving. So uh, that, that's kind yeah, of kind of the, yeah. the, the, the basis of it. It's a great recruitment tool. I mean, flexibility is the number one requested aspect for modern employees today. So it's a fantastic move. Kudos to you for doing it. You know, you mentioned this isn't a Comscue commercial, but you said something that intrigued me. You said you like the non-territorial aspect about Comscue. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, I've been to a couple of you guys' events. I, I got to meet yeah. um, Mark and Catherine Graham and yeah. had, had heard you all's name. And, you know, we're, we're in a pretty big space, although it's very fragmented. Bobby, you know this in the audience knows right. this more than we do. We're kind of rookies in the space. But it's, it's what, $24, $25 billion space, depending on who you talk to. And, yeah. um, $320 million in, in the state of Louisiana and logo merch. And there's just so yeah. much business out there. And I think, you know, what I've been attracted to is you guys share a lot of information, uh, whether it's at your meetings, whether it's on SKUcast. There's really not this... Oh, you know, somebody's going to go poach a client, or someone's going to steal right, the business. Right. Or, I, I mean, we're of the belief, and I think common skew is. I mean, there's really no secrets anymore. I mean, there's really yeah. there's really not. Yeah. I mean, with technology right. and you, right. And I, I think, I mean, your what what you all have embodied to us is um, a lot of transparency, and yeah. open book. A lot of business out there. Let's go create some friendships. And, you know, I mean, right. as an example, we, we have a few strategic partnerships with what you would technically call our competition, you know, and and, yeah. and we love that. And, and I just think what I, I've really, really, really been impressed because that is not the norm. That, that is it is not yeah. it is not the norm to kind of open up your playbook, if you will. And yeah, yeah. And, and you guys, you get your suppliers and your distributors to open up their playbooks and you all open up your playbook. And I'm impressed by that. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. I'm, you know, I've got one last comment question. This isn't, and we're going to move on, yeah. but it has really has to do with how folks are doing business today. Not so much comments, but what has it enabled you to and your team to do that you weren't able to do eight months before? Two words come to mind. I, we've just become more efficient and we've become more profitable. Uh, I mean, and there's, there's been other things we've got, you know, we have access, yeah. we have dashboards and access to numbers and that's important. Um, we, yeah. we have some access to those things from some other systems, but you, you also has been great, but it, really at the end of the day, 
Uh, it's been a time saver relating to overall company efficiency and profitability on a, on a monthly basis. Yeah. That, that's what we pinpointed. Well, I'm curious too, you, you do a weekly podcast with a, on a radio show actually with uh, you interview other entrepreneurs. How's that podcast helped your brand? Yeah, I had a ball with it. I, and long story short, I had a very close friend, business mentor of mine. He he was doing a show called Louisiana Business Industry Show. And uh, long story short, eighteen months ago, he uh, we actually uh, tape it in studio, so it's both a radio show and then it, it it's articulated to a podcast. And he just needed a, a few Fridays off, and he he came to me, and I was a guest a few times of his and. You know, we're into it 18 months. We've now got some sponsor slash partners. It's kept me engaged in the business community. It's a little bit of, the, of a yeah. diversion of what I do every day. Uh, but right. but I'll tell you, it's fun. I mean, we, uh, we've we had the, the C-level executives uh, of our banking partners on the show. We've had all of our partners on the show. We've had a few of our key clients on the show. Um, yeah. We try to keep it, although it's a pocket, we try to keep it local. Uh, we're starting to have more folks call in from around the country, whether it's from our Nike previous life or what have you. And um, right. it, it's been a whole, whole lot of fun. I mean, any, you know, I, I don't get paid to do it. It's just, it's been, it's, right. been, it's been something that, um, you know, and I, I have my, my CPA and, and my financial advisor constantly telling me and a few other people, Hey Gary, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're, you're focusing on your everyday business at AST e-commerce. But Really, I try to just hand the mic over to the guest. I'm not a real smart guy. I try to get out of the way. Um, yeah. But I found like anything, Bobby, hey, people want to, people, you know, they want a voice. They want to come on. And if you yeah. can get guests yeah. that can give back, uh, it doesn't matter what the space is. I mean, we've had people of all sectors come on the show and uh, it's something we've enjoyed. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great open channel uh, for, for a community particularly. You've obviously had a successful career with Nike. You've launched this business with AST. What are some of the biggest lessons, watershed moments you've had as an entrepreneur in this space? Oh, that's a very, very, very good one. Number one most challenging thing for me, I have always, my entire career, I have been a performance compensation guy. And I have, I've enjoyed that. There's a lot of highs and lows. It could be stressful, but, but there, there's the momentum and the fulfillment, not just about the money, but, but going out there, having a target, having a budget, getting out there and really selling and, right. and having to hit a number at the end of a quarter of fiscal year and really performing at the end of the day when you're working for a publicly traded company. And that's, that's not, that's not for everyone, but I will, the reason I, I started out with that is that, um, and I got this out of one of my, my greatest mentors. He's a board, board of directors member with us. And that's, and that's this, Bobby. It's literally, and coming from a sales guy, this has been tough, having the ability on a daily basis to surrender the outcome and truly, truly focus on the process. And if you can do that day in and day out, you're going to bear fruit. And that's not been easy for me because I, I'm like, you know, where are we on the EBIT? Where are we on that latest PO? Where are we on the, you know, yeah. quarter, quarter to budget? I mean, what's our turn rate in our distribution centers on our JIT? And these say, you know, and I, I think, yeah. I think sometimes you can get, you know, uh, paralysis with over analysis and, and just, uh, if you, you know, it's like a Nick Saban or any, you know, you hear these coaches talk all the time, focus on the process. Since you've said that, do you have a sales process you've codified with your, you and your team? 
We do. We're we're kind of we're constantly trying to refine it because we we need to, sure. we need to improve. We um, I have a national sales director. There's a reason that that's his title. The, the majority uh, of his time is spent on digital lead generation and business development. And mm-hmm. we have somewhat recently tried to really get targeted within the HubSpot platform. Um, yeah. And we, we now have a true chief marketing officer that, that that's a big investment for us. That's new for us. And that, that individual is not writing press releases, not even, we've actually, I'm not going to say gotten away from social media, but we are not spending near the amount of resources we had with social media. We're spending, we're spending some, but we're really, really focusing on a certain piece of dirt uh, via SEO and, 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 you know, Google analytics and, and truly trying to have those applicable clients really almost come to us and, and that yeah. that's what we're trying to refine that's, that's not an easy thing to do but we're, we're spending a lot of time there so it sounds as if you've shifted a sales and marketing focus from an outbound focus to inbound you know i'm putting things together with hubspot with your marketing director with your digital national sales director there's a lot more going on digitally with you guys in in bringing leads and having them come to your doorstep um, through either keyword rich content or tactics like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we started the firm, Bobby, it's funny. You know, we wanted a bunch of boots on the ground, and, and right, you know, right. and, and that, and I, I, right. I had that from my Nike days. I mean, I, sure. I, hey, let's get boots yeah. on the ground. Let's 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 go poach a sales rep who's got a nice book of business. And there's nothing wrong. Right. And, and, and hey, I, I mean, confidentially, I'm, I'm I have actually have a gentleman that used to be in the space. I'm I'm actually talking to as, as we're talking about about. Yeah. doing that but but that's that's an exception that we have we have totally shifted and if if you know if you can and you can invest on a daily basis as to what's happening with seo and digital lead gen godly it's it's i don't know much about it my cmo does and we, we are yeah. we are fascinated with it yeah i am too you know um it, speaking of that, this topic of, of, you know, kind of what you've learned and it's been five years, kind of a blitzkrieg for you. If you were to talk to a young entrepreneur getting into the business today, what would you tell them about where to invest their time? I would tell them that they have to keep being you. That would be one thing that I would say. And because of the, because of their unique uniqueness they bring to the market is that what you mean i believe that yeah I, you know and, yeah. and and if you're you know if some folks uh doubt you or some folks uh maybe say you're too aggressive i think you have to or i know rather you have to keep being you and yeah and <laughs> the um the, the number one thing i feel that you need to focus in and, and spend your time on is is and it's a it's kind of a cliche these days but i uh, technology. And, and I was not a technology guy and, and, I, yeah. and, I, and but it's something I've forced myself and I've, I've become truly enamored with it. It sounds like that's where a majority of your time has shifted from your, your perspective from boots on the ground to investing in technology and what it can bring to you as opposed to going out and blunting your sword against that shield out there time and time again, uh, with an outbound focus. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to interrupt you. I, I missed one thing. I'd like to add on, Bobby, if I can. I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We tripped over this. Um, it's something I've been very intrigued with. But if you are going to start out, and I cannot strongly encourage enough to – we have uh, 12. You don't need that big of a number. Um, 
go out there and get a group of advisors. Go out there and get a board of directors. Whether they're form, yeah. whether they're invested in your company, whether you know, there's a million different ways to, to to put it together. But having that backbone of mentorship, and it's something that uh, the market has taken notice, specifically here uh, locally. I've needed it. I've never done this. We've made a lot of mistakes, and it's been. Um, I would say it's been a true back backbone for us. So go, go, go explore that. It has, it does not matter whatsoever what industry you're in. I think it's something that's intriguing to go take a look at if you're a young entrepreneur. Yeah, that's such great advice, Carrie. And I'm going to not make assumptions because it's my job to not make assumptions here. But what has that meant to you and your brand? We're talking about an executive who was with one of the most renowned companies in the world who leaves to start a business in an industry like the promotional products business, you mid forties, you started this new career and your number one piece of a business, business advice is to go out and get advisors. Um, what does that mean to you specifically? It's given me confidence. It immediately gave our firm credibility. The, the name of my company, yeah. the name of the company, my company, my, my daughter is Ann Scott. My, my son is Trip. So that's AST. And so outside, right. outside of a, a very small circle of folks, most people really don't care about that. But it, it we went to uh, what we felt was a supply chain expert, a financial expert, a sales expert. Um, we went to uh, someone in the space uh, we went to someone uh, that was maybe just the smartest guy I've ever met, and, and I could name a few more. But and we went to him and we said, "Hey, you know, you 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 you're friends with our family, with with some of our other partners. You've been wildly successful. We're not going to take up too much of your time. Would you consider trying to be of added value from a consultative perspective to our business?" And they all said yes. And um, it's you know some are more involved than others. Uh, we don't yeah. we don't actually physically meet that often, which is very unconventional. Um, yeah. it, it's it's meant I am I'm the conduit with them, but it, but it's also the team here. It's raised the team's confidence to be associated with these folks who yeah. who frankly have their own brands, Bobby. Right. As a leader making decisions, then it gives you this this incredible bank to draw down upon when you're at critical crossroads in the business. I would also assume that these folks become champions, your number one champions for the brand. And because of their reach and because of their stature and because of their wisdom, that probably is an exponential increase in your reach. Well, simply put, I mean, this is selfish, but this is part of the strategy. Their Rolodexes are, ex- are, ex- yeah. are extens- extensions of our BD effort. They just aren't. Right now, now, yeah, now we're we're, we're overly cautious to make sure that we're respectful of again, sure, of again, sure, of again sure. their brand, their Rolodex, but yeah. but we market them. I mean, if you go to astcommerce.com and, and we and a, a lot of our collaterals and materials mention our board, and and now yeah. of course we get their approvals, but but there's a um, there's a rationale to that. Let's circle back to stores since this is obviously such a hot topic for most companies today. I mean, if you're a distributor in the business today, you're typically being asked to do a store in some aspect or another. You know, Comiskey, we have shops. It's easier to do a store now than ever before, but there are stores and shops that range from the very simple, that's a quick pop-up shop, all the way to the incredibly complex. And you've mentioned JIT several times in our conversation. And again, it's my job to sort of just be the dumbest guy in the room. JIT stands for just-in-time inventory. You're trying to do this business with absolutely no inventory, no inventory. I would assume no commitment from the customer in that sense, but there may be some contractual commitments, which we can get to in a minute, minute, but tell me why you're passionate about JIT and what that means to you. Well, I'm just passionate about it because that's where the market has gone. And frankly, it doesn't, 
uh, you know, regardless of what your model is, the consumer mm. is demanding it. And and and, right. and whether whether you want to refer to that as you know the Amazon you know the Amazon effect or what's happening in the grocery store business, if you just look at supply chain in any industry, not just the promotional yeah. product industry, on demand JIT just in time, it, it is a mandate. And and I'll tell you, I mean, it's uh, to have John Doe employ go online, purchase one shirt. Have that shirt deck again, not taking an inventory position. Have that one sh- medium shirt decorated. Have that shirt picked. Have that shirt shipped and delivered to XYZ shopper or employee at ABC client in five to six business days. That is not a profitable proposition. And so yeah. for us, the question is how do you put together that supply chain model in order to make it profitable enough? To where you can go to the client base and you can say there is no inventory requirement. And, and to answer your question, Bobby, yes, we, we will not. There is a con- contractual volume commitment, of course, but uh, right. but there is no for, for all you know. For, there could be some minor inventory uh, obligations to, depending upon you know the assortment of goods and whatnot. But I think the business yeah. demands it, and, and I think every day that goes by, the consumer is going to continue to demand it. And um, we feel that that you're going to left get left behind at the train station if you don't if you don't jump on that to some degree. Yeah, you, you kind of addressed it in your comment there a little bit, but yeah, it was probably the question everybody's been burning to ask when you talk about producing one piece at a time and, and not being profitable. Have you cracked that nut on profitability overall? Are you making up for this with large contract purchases with the client? Um, just are 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 you offering that service because in the whole scale of things? It's a minor part of the service, whereas a major part of the service it is traditional dropship and, and bundling and things like that. Or is this truly about figuring out the supply chain in a way that it makes at least makes it more efficient and you're able to deliver on that or both? Yeah, it's I, I have no problem sharing this. Our ultimate goal is to be 80 percent e-commerce, 20 percent what we call non-e-commerce business. Okay, That's our ultimate goal with our model. And no, we have not totally cracked the nut because there's a lot to it with shipping rates and uh, and yeah. all types of programs that the big boys, uh, from a supplier perspective, are now offering. But we spe- specifically we have um, we actually have four to five distribution centers depending upon what you're looking at, and um, we're starting to get into just the fulfillment business in general that doesn't have anything to do with local logo merchandise but there 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 are uh specifically two individuals with two distribution centers i won't get into the details that we have been working together for three years we have the utmost faith in each other um and frankly they were contract decorators before they you know got engaged with ast and so they now have been able to diversify their portfolios and they're they're getting a piece of the action, uh, you know, not just in, in contract decoration. And they're a big, big, big part of what we do. Um, yeah. And we can't thank those two partners enough. But you're right. Just JIT is the way of the world now. Whether that you're in a dropship business or whether you're in the fulfillment business, you know it is. I mean, one of the features we love with you guys is your you know is your client survey figure. And I mean that literally, I, I, 
my partner does that, you know, a couple of days a week, it probably takes like 15 yeah. minutes for him to do it. And, and all the way, Bobby, to, again, this move we talked about with us going virtual, um, you know, we've talked about being paperless at AST Commerce before, but going to this virtual co-working sh- uh, space in New Orleans, I mean, I, I, I'm telling my team, we literally, we, we literally want to be paperless, virtual. Um, and again, it's just, it, the, the rate of business has gotten so, f- it can't get fast enough for us. The faster the rate of business, the more profitable we think we will be. And the, the, quite frankly, the, you know, again, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but the, the, uh, the biggest delta we feel we can create with our competition. Moving from a somewhat closed environment to a much more open environment, you sound like a very open person. You're already sharing so many details with your stakeholders, but you've gone from this, um, like you said, boots on the ground, sort of more of a, a traditional mentality toward moving toward a very open and transparent. Transparency has become obviously very important to you and your brand as you move forward, particularly as you go into a virtual environment. You want to speak to that a little bit on the transparency aspect? I went to one of you all's events again, and I, I just, I was, you know, the old school, old ways to, again, be guarded. But, but hey, look, look at yeah. what is social media. Now, now social media can be narcissistic in, in some, in some ways, but look at what social media in other ways has done is it's everybody has a platform. There's no, I mean, you can yeah. Google anything. I mean, I can, I can yeah. go to Glassdoor and I mean, remember the old days when it was like, heaven forbid you knew what someone made annually. Well, I mean, you could, I mean, you, right. you can find, you can find yeah. that at a red light or a green light these days. And so, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I was struck, uh, in one of your comments, Q events again with the distributors and the suppliers and everyone's running around having a few beers and in a good mood and listening to these great speakers. And it was like, Hey, you know what? Um, I, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, my, my late uncle, who's on our board of directors, she used to say, you know, you, you share all these things and you're constantly trying to improve at the end of the day, somebody has got to go do the work and execute it anyway. So the, the, the reality, the reality of it is the idea, the old school idea of having something poached, and you losing market share, I just, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I frankly think it's antiquated. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, um, I know you're incredibly busy. I know the kind of business that you're under and the deadlines, and we heard what's on your desk. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule, not only to just talk about your business, but you know that you're sharing this with other entrepreneurs who are seeking encouragement and are wanting to strive for things the way you've built them there. And, and kudos to you and your team. I know it's hard work. I know the sweat equity you're putting into your business, and it shows. Bobby, appreciate it. It was a, it was a ball. We had a good time, and uh, we're learning. We love the industry, and, and let's all let's all be as collaborative as we can. Thank, thanks, thanks to your team. Uh, it's eight months, and I know it's only going to get better for us. Thanks, Gary. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community dot com and skew dot com until next time friends thanks so much for listening